Deep in the farthest recesses of the most distant jungle lies a city. A city populated by the most mysterious, terrifying, and downright grotesque denizens ever seen by mortal eye. Here, in the darkened corners of this cavernous locale sits an ordinary, average brick building with an innocuous, ordinary, average, blinking neon sign which reads, On Air. It is here where each week, Seth Breedlove and Mark Matsky convene to discuss the greatest mysteries the world has ever known. Now, strap on your hiking boots, grab your trusty walking stick, and don't forget the bug spray as we begin our journey through Monsteropolis. This is Monsteropolis, a show about anomalies, legends, and monsters. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Seth Breedlove. I'm joined, as always, by my faithful compatriot, Mark Matsky. Hello and greetings. And this week we're joined by, wow, it's not Gascon? No, nah, man. Dog, are you serious? You I've been what? saying Gascon for five years. You know, it's weird. It's my family members that say Gascon and I say Gascon. Get up in that mic. Get way up in it. Yeah. Pull it toward you. I have a lot of can you hear him, Mark? No, I can barely hear. I know. I feel like all. try try it again. Is that better? Oh, wow! You, I really got to be up in there. I see what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, there we go. Dulcet tone. Yeah, yeah, you're good. Once you're in there, it's <laughs> it's like you're living inside of it. Okay, so family members, what? Yeah, Gaskin's the 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 lazy way to say it. It's Gascon. It's French. Yeah, that's what I. Yeah, Gascon. <laughs> Gosh, I've been dying to see you, Gascon. <laughs> That's my theme song. Oh, wow. Uh, so, Mark, before we start talking about Bellwitch, what did you do while we were a wall? Oh, my goodness. Um, just, like, putts around the house, basically. <laughs> C- moping, crying. Moping, rearranging books and shelves and things. Yeah. No, I don't know. I've just been... Um, I'll tell you one thing I did. I I started a little show because I missed G Fest. Mm-hmm. This is like my delayed reaction to missing G Fest this year is I started a little one man podcast about like Japanese monsters and stuff. Yeah. I it it all started when I listened to some old um Monsterland Ohio radio with my little buddy Andy. Yeah. And his pre pubescent voice. <laughs> <laughs> and now if we did that show now, it would just sound like two of us is two talking. men. It would be yeah, weird. Two, yeah. <laughs> the same man, a cloned like man talking clones. to himself. Yeah, it'd be weird, <laughs> dude. Oh my gosh! So I I did start that, and um, the other reason why is because they have this platform called Anchor now, where you can do a show completely off of your iPhone, which is something I've always dreamed of doing, mm-hmm. and they actually invented it. So it's like the easiest possible means of throwing stuff out there. So that's, what's that's the, how I bided my time. What's the show called and where can dear listeners find it? Oh, it is called Monster Study Group. It's found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other places are getting added. But it's also, at, there's a anchor.com site and it's just, it's easy to find. This monster study group cool. for super Japanese giant monster nerds. 
like me. Yeah. Nice. Um, so all you did while we were gone was start a new podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and straighten my book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are they alphabetized? Um, they're more by topic. <laughs> nice. Wow. This is that's like actually uh, an, more, that's more Andy's bag. Are they in honest. manga fashion? Like yeah, right to left? They're <laughs> right to left and <laughs> from top to bottom. Do, have, you seen, the right hand have you seen high fidelity where he like, uh, he organizes his records, his record collection by like his, uh, like the memories that they stir in him or something like that. Oh, oh. it's wild. It's great. That's, that's yeah, that's cool. I love that movie. Um, and the book's good too. So, um, so yeah, so monster study group anchor, is it available on most like platforms or how does that work? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. See what, what you do is you record it on anchor mm-hmm. and then they take care of everything else as far as sending it to the other platforms. Oh, so yeah. it like slowly starts to appear, but it's, it's, they're tied in with Spotify. So it's immediately on Spotify and then it goes to Apple and like overcast and all these other, um, pod catchers. Mm. So it's out there now. I mean, yeah. it, it hit Apple and Spotify gets the most listeners so far. Yeah. Um, okay. So monster study group, go give it a listen, a rating and review and all that stuff. All the stuff you do for monstropolis or did for sass. What, um, when night rains lash, the hills around Springfield, Tennessee. Lightning flashes, thunder rolls down the valleys. The old timers say the commotion up there is the bell witch screaming through the night for the soul of one John Bell. John Bell chose another bride and so the witch chose suicide. He broke his vows to this child of hell, a scorn witch cursed. The name of Belle Satan's sister they called the girl with cold black hair All of world, her evil eyes and devilish ways Played John Bell in his grave The Belle which she walks the night A moving spirit no one can fight She walks in silent rules of death the family of Bell has their last uh, Aaron and I just returned from a, uh, a trip into Adams, Tennessee um, to film uh, the documentary portion. The Blair Witch. Oh, oh wait, the no. The Blair Witch Project. The, the Bell Witch. <laughs> no, the, Bell, the Mark of the Bell Witch, the 11th Small Town Monsters film. The 11th, Mark. Um, Number 11. 11th. Small Town Monsters movie. Wow. So, um, did, did you guys, before the, it gets away from me, did you, rec- did you do any like little homages to Blair Witch at all? Is that- I was just talking to Seth about yeah. this. I'm putting some of the BTS together behind uh-huh. the scenes and a lot of it kind of has that okay. creepy found footage feel to it. So it's going to nice. be fun. Yeah. The yeah, nice thing for- about, the nice thing about, uh, the, the, making the movies versus making on the trail of is we can talk about what did or didn't happen behind the scenes. Cause like with mm-hmm. on the trail of, we're not really, we're saving it for the movie. So if something exciting happened, you know, it's mind blowing in the moment. Nothing happened. Yeah. <laughs> While making the mark of the bell, Witch, we had people tell us like, 
oh, you're going to have like your camera gear is going to go out and you're going to lose power to stuff. Well, you're just beginning to That's edit. So. We're just starting to edit. We, we can look. But yeah, nothing happened. Like nothing happened. <laughs> um, in fact, I would argue this might have been the most easygoing shoot on location that we've had. We dropped one interview. One little snafu. But we added another interview. So it was like even the interview we lost, we made up for. Um, and we, we, you know, I, we got, we, we'll probably talk about the guy that yelled at us. Yeah. And, and, oh, uh, yeah. Let your blood boil. It made my blood boil. Uh, so we could probably talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We could talk about that. But like, other than that, like, it was just a really easy going shoot. And, uh, I mean, I got really, uh, the other thing I think we all t- kind of talked about is like, we got really attached to some of these people we interviewed, like, mm-hmm. especially Tim. Uh, Tim, mm-hmm. Tim Henson, the, the He's like a grandpa to me. Yeah. And Andy, Andy liked him a lot too. Andy adopted yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tim and Brandon and, uh, just like a lot of, I mean, Kara was really cool. Like all the people we interviewed, I thought were really cool. Um, and you got, but Tim, I mean, we spent so much time around Tim. I think he, he became like our stand Gordon on this trip where he's just kind of nice. like around us all the time. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, he sat in the background, watched us as yeah. we interviewed Kara. Yeah, he was there. I mean, and when he wasn't sitting in the cabin while we were doing interviews, he was sitting outside the mm-hmm. cabin. Yeah, so, wow. so like he was there for pretty much the entirety of the shoot until the last day. Um, but yeah, so it was how much is how much has he written? Has he done like multiple books? Yes. Or okay, it's multiple. I have two. He's done five. Um, and I have five. two Holy books. Smoke. Now these aren't all on the Bell Witch. In fact, I don't know that any of them are are only on the bell witch i've got two more historical yeah they're historical one is about like civil war in the in the tobacco patch and the other is, mm-hmm. is called um the black patch bells which is about the bell family yeah and um you know it's more about their history and stuff because one thing you realize really quickly when you get there is this entire town is sort of geared around the bells which is mm-hmm. kind of weird it's weird man because they weren't wealthy. They weren't rich. You know, normally towns that are Why is like everything named after them. Yeah. Normally like towns are, you know, you'll find like cemeteries, an, like an affluent family, right? like a really yeah. affluent family where everything's and the bells were not that like they were, they were actually kind of poor. Um, mm-hmm. and so it's kind of weird. There's an entire cemetery called Bellwood with a giant obelisk in the middle with John Bell's name on it and all the family and everything. And like <laughs> generations of families and, and uh, the school, the schoolhouse is called Bell Bell Schoolhouse, and wow. there's Bell Road and Bell Baptist Church, and everything's Bell. Yeah, uh, but they're so not. What do you what do you attribute to that? I mean, having just been there and stuff, and what people have said. I mean, I, I assume part of that it's going to be the folklore. Right? I don't think yeah. it is the folklore. I don't think it is. It, I know that Bellwood, the cemetery, is because of some rich guy who came, who who's connected to the family. It was like a relative of theirs, so he built this huge cemetery, sort of honoring them. Mm-hmm. Had to have been a mason because mason symbol symbolism is on everything. We're we're gonna talk about the masons in this episode. The Freemasons. Yeah, and and I'll just say up front, like if there's a Freemason <laughs> listener who can 
come on the show and answer some questions about Freemasonry. We we need we we have questions. And we're not talking low rank Freemason. We no, want a thirty three. Yeah, thirty third <laughs> Mason is what we're looking for. Um, so so like, I mean, I don't know how to do this either without it without criti- critiquing the Masons. But I mean, like the I think the Masons are like we interviewed Tyler and Tyler who's the green. Am I allowed to say that on the show? I don't know. He's got it. So this guy we <laughs> this guy we interviewed is <laughs> highly placed in the Masons. Um, oh shoot, we probably can't talk about going in there, can we? I mean, we did it. So okay, we well, do? we're just going to talk about it. If we're told to just, pull this down, then assume refer to them as the stone cutters. Yeah. Okay. The, oh, good idea. <laughs> My name's not Aaron Gaskin. It's Seth Breedlove Jr. Yeah. And my name is actually Aaron Gaston. No. <laughs> uh, okay, so I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, though. I don't want to get yeah. into the Mason stuff. Anyway, it's just weird that a town is so tied into this family when the family wasn't, yeah, like you said, they weren't affluent. They really didn't. I don't know what it's attributable to. It's very confusing. I mean, they they mention a lot about they had some to do with like the trade going down the river and stuff. That's just how everybody did that. Yeah. Like at that time, I think like the bats family was way more wealthy than them. The big house. Yeah. How many, they had multiple big houses. Yeah. They they had the most slaves. They had all this, um, all this stuff. It's, it's a, uh, it's just weird. It's a weird thing. Um, and I'm sure you can definitely attribute things like the bell, Witch cave and some of the bell, Witch signs and some, and maybe even some of the official state, bell connected things to the legend you can attribute that to the legend but i don't mm-hmm. think it explains bellwood cemetery bell schoolhouse all these things that existed long before the legend became as popular as it is today mm. so it was kind of like nobody in the town wanted to tell us why everything was named after the bell family either. well tim i asked him about it and tim said it goes back to that it goes back to that guy the rich man who built the cemetery was that in the 30s? That was in the 30s. 1933. Mm-hmm. No, I'm just yeah. <laughs> so it all goes back to Masons. Uh, I'm sorry, Stonecutters. SCs. Um, so, yeah. So, we, I guess, I don't know how we want to do this, um, but, like, it was a, I don't know. Mark, how should we do this? Do you have questions for us? Yeah, well, I can just Keep us on you. track. Yeah. Sure, sure. Um, so now, you were able to get into the actual cabin correct because that was kind of in flux the last time i was down there at hq yeah there were questions about even being able to access it so you were able to yeah so i um you know i run an independent production company that does not deal with things like liability insurance so we had to get that we had to pay to rent the the cabin um but we did end up with full control of the cabin for two days, which was awesome because we had Tim with us and he's got a key to the cabin. By the time the shoot was over in the cabin on Thursday, yeah, it felt like we were leaving home. Like, I think we spent so much time in this cabin that I think we all got connected to it. Felt like a lifetime. Yeah. We were, my body, my soul still in the <laughs> attic. Um, that attic was creepy. I got some yeah. night vision of it it's chairs rocking yeah um no i mean and that's what's so funny is like i've heard for years about how creepy that cabin is 
Like yeah. it's, it's like they have a they have a live webcam in there yeah. to capture like paranormal activity. Capture us picking oh our noses. God. Yeah, for two days. <laughs> for two days, we're just like laying on the floor and like hanging out and having a great time and like laughing it up in this yeah. place. No, nothing. No experiences. Nothing in the cabin. Um, but it was during the middle of the day. I think if we we were there at the witching hour at three a.m., mm. it might have been mm. a little different. We never tried it though. You know, we didn't want to bug Tim to. Yeah. And yeah. I have to say like um, the interviews, especially that we shot at the cabin are some of the best looking interviews we've ever done. Like they just have, it just, it, it's funny. Cause we basically did what we did with Mothman legacy or terror in the skies where we're in a controlled space where we can control the lighting and all that. But the backgrounds were so great. Cause you had this historical cabin we were shooting and we could go inside or outside and get this footage that looked really cool and like put you in that place. I think, I think that's one thing we lose when we do the studio setting with like legacy is you lose that sense of place in the interviews. And so for this, you've got that personality back that, that comes with doing that. And, um, and yeah, it is just, just where the cabin's located. And, and I guess some background on the cabin, the cabin was owned by John jr. Is that a John Jr.? It was one of the Bells. It was one of the Bell Boys. Um, that's their cabin. And Tim's not a Tim isn't convinced that that cabin wasn't the actual cabin. Um, and he talked he talked about the floor and yeah. the walls would have been original. Mm-hmm. The ceiling joists or like the rafters. Yeah, you could tell that those familiar. were hand planed, so yeah. they were done done at a different time. So it, mm-hmm. they had used the original pieces of mm-hmm. of the cabin and just you know, refurbished it. It's wild to see renovate shiplap stuff like that. Yeah. Shiplap, shiplap, shiplap is, it was wild to see how, um, like small the cabin is. And you think about regardless of if the bell family lived there, it's, it's strange to think about anyone living in this tiny, yeah. In this tiny little cabin, Mm -hmm. um, let alone a family with, you know, however many people would have been living there when, when, yeah, everything happened they're not convinced that that two-story house that is usually considered you know the the bell family cabin where the haunting took place that they're the, tim's not convinced that's the actual place oh where that okay. happened so they got a good feeling that it might be yeah so this is the cabin we were in could be the cabin where everything actually happened instead of the one right. that, you, that you usually think of when you think of the bell witch so it was it super was cool and we got the film there yeah, it's definitely of that era mm-hmm. for sure. Oh yeah, the least yeah. you can say, and it could even be the parts of the original. That's pretty amazing, right? Um, I don't have any other stories about that place, but I do have. St- I mean, we have stories about. I was trying to get Andy to take one of the square-headed nails. Yeah, home with no. him, take him home. <laughs> yeah, he had heard the stories about <laughs> taking um, artifacts away. Well, Aaron, I took a piece. Yeah. Aaron had no fear. So Aaron took some Flint home. I found a massive piece of Flint. This thing is cool. I'm going to turn it into a spearhead, but I found (laughs) it just sitting on, on top by a tree. I'm like, well, Oh, I'm going to test it. So I took it. Yeah. Andy warned me. We'll see. But then a couple days later, I was covered in like a hundred ticks. So that might have been. That actually is true. Can we tell the tick story? Yeah. So I got flashbacks, man. I feel like something's crawling on. I'm right going to tell this story oh. from my perspective and then you can tell what actually happened. But sure. all I know is 
we're driving down the road, and this is after a pretty full day of shooting. It's not full yet, though. It's only 3 o'clock. So it's it's yeah. pretty early in the yeah. day. And um, so it's like 3 o'clock in the afternoon. We've just left John Bell Sr.'s grave, which is back in the forest. And we should probably talk about that, too. Yeah. It's surrounded by over 150 slave graves um, that Holy are smokes. yeah back, at, back in the woods. Um, and we found more while we were there that they didn't know existed. <laughs> Yeah, so was, that was it interesting. Was, it was nuts. Yeah. Um, so we, and we should probably talk about John Baker Jr.'s interview before this is over too. So it's, yeah. Um, but um, so we're back there in the woods and we leave and we're on the road and we go to shoot some B-roll at this stop and we get out of the car or we we get back in the car and um, Aaron's like, Aaron starts picking these tiny little bugs off of him. We couldn't figure out what they, they were. They were all over me. We couldn't was, figure out what they were. These, these little, like, tiny, like, smaller than a poppy seed. Like, that small. Um, he's pulling them off of him, and he's trying to figure out what they were, and then... I got goosebumps. He's got goosebumps it, right I now. It. Yeah. It's nasty. You tell it from uh, here. Oh, man. They look like ticks. I know what a tick looked like, but they were so small. So then I start Googling, and here, apparently... They're called seed ticks. They're like the little babies. And I ran into a uh-huh. nest and they were all over me. My sh- I was picking oh. like 30 off my shirt because I had a white shirt and they were just crawling all over it. Mark, I kid you not. It was constant for 35 minutes from Adams back to Clarksville. He's pulling these things off of him um, oh, man. and popping them in the car. The only way to pop them was nail to nail my fingernails together because yeah. they were- uh-huh. But they're normally you can't crush a tick like that. But these little babies, I could. So it was oh, it was nasty. And then a couple of them were attached to my arms. Yeah. And oh yeah, they had actually gotten in. Yeah, it was it was a nightmare, and it's because I took that flint. It's because you took the flint. <laughs> no, apparently it's because so I didn't witness this part, ah. but apparently I had my back turned at some point and. Aaron had wandered up into the tall grass surrounding surrounding John Bell Jr. Cemetery (laughs) uh, in the middle of a field in broad daylight, which is like you're asking for Uh, at that point. Yeah, this grass was up to my chest. Yeah. And I was just Mm -hmm. walking through it, getting some B-roll shots with the grass in the in the in the scene, making it look real pretty. Yeah. Um, Oh, yeah. So so he got so. So then we get back to the house. And he takes a shower, comes out, comes downstairs. And this is like 30 like minutes scr- later. I'm hard scrubbing everywhere. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I'm freaking out. Paranoid. He's, he's sitting down. He's like, there's more. And then like he starts, he ended up vacuuming his body <laughs> with a vacuum. He's vacuuming off the ticks. Thankfully, uh. no, no major ones were like attached for a long amount of time. But yeah, there was, mm-hmm. I, I didn't count them, but there was a ton of them. Yeah. It was ridiculous. But wow. yeah, so that could have been con- yeah, connected could, to me taking could, that piece of flint. Yeah, we could draw that back to the Bell Witch, I guess. Yeah, that was probably the only really bad moment of the trip. Um, although later that night, Andy got sick watching Aaron and Zach eat crawfish. <laughs> we felt so bad, <laughs> which made me sick to to watch oh. too. So, I was eating clams oh, and telling them it's just like a salty booger, man. <laughs> just eat it. <laughs> slurping Uh, them down good grief (laughs) oh wow dude and and the food was terrible (laughs) the food at this place was awful like i had i had this fish that tasted like it came out of freezer and was was, thrown in a microwave what was it called 
I, I don't want to give it, throw them under the bus. I do. We I, drove. If we, I would remember. We I drove for them. like 45 minutes to eat at this place too. Everything's closed because of Corona. Yeah. So it was really not good. Right. Not good food. So that was, that was that day. Um, yeah. I don't know. Do you I mean, have other. That, that, that did grab my attention, you know, at seafood restaurant in Tennessee. I was like, where do they have like a supersonic jet that. Well, you're not. The only thing about that is you're not far from Mississippi. So, like, you know, Mississippi's come a, up from the Gulf. It can't. It's golf fish. It was golf. Oh, okay. Golf and crawdad. I don't know. Wow. That was the only thing I could think of. Is like, yeah. you know, you're probably what three or four hours from the ocean from there or the Gulf if you go. They just got the fish from Walmart. Yeah, that fish that I ate was from Walmart, <laughs> and the crawdads came out of someone's creek or yeah. something. Like it was. Yeah, it was bad. It was not it good. Was, yeah, it was not good. Um, yeah. So, uh, what else you got, Mark? What else do you want to well, know? Well, interviews, you had, uh, oh, yeah. Tim Henson mm-hmm. and you know, he's a local historian, mm-hmm. a prolific writer. Mm-hmm. Um, who else stands out to you as really good interviews? Uh, Pat, uh, Pat Fitzhugh who wrote, uh, the bell, Witch, the full account was a good interview and his, so those three interviews we did that day, three of the interviews we did on the first day were were over two hours. Brandon, yeah. I yeah. Like Brandon's. Oh, wow. Yeah, Brandon was in front of the camera for two hours. Pat, um, Tim was in front of the camera for two and a half, and Pat was there for about a, a two hours as well. But once you add in, we also did these, I mean, like STM movies tend to do, they took, they took form in the filming. So we ended yeah. up doing these scenes with like the, the, the guys talking to each other, kind of on, oh, cool. on the trail of style. Yeah. Um. And kind of going, you know, a couple of the conversations I just filmed, whatever the schoolhouse, we shot a scene in the schoolhouse, which looks incredible. Like, I don't know if it's the lighting or something, but it looks amazing. Um, it's very much like these three historians, the Bell Witch Opry. Oh yeah. The Bell Witch Opry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's these three historians kind of talking about their theories about what might've actually happened. Um, you know, and, and I've said to Zach, like, think before we went down there, I was like, visually think police procedural meets haunted house movie. And, mm-hmm. you know, I had ideas in my head of what that looked like. And that was pretty much what we got. Like that, that last, oh, cool. the, the schoolhouse conversation, you know, we'll probably wrap up the movie, come at, come at the end of the movie. And I mean, it's three guys who were like looking into this cold case, you know, for the last 200 years. And I mean, it feels like a cop movie. Three detectives mm-hmm. or something, you know, discussing a case together. Um, yeah. And that's pretty much how it played out. So, uh, yeah. So, Pat, Tim, Brandon. Um, also, that day we interviewed Bo. I can't remember. Bo. I can't remember his last name. Mm. Bo something. Bo was great. So who, um, who's uh, Brandon? So, like, Bur- what was his? Yeah, Brandon Barker. He's a professor of folklore at Indiana University. Um, but he grew up in near bell or near bell. He grew up near Adams, uh, in white house, Tennessee, which is right down the road. Um, and he's the one, he was kind of like hooked. I, I hooked up with him because of, um, Ellie, Ellie actually put me in touch with him. He was, I don't right. know if he was, he, he was her professor or if she just knew him through folklore, but, um, mm-hmm. Ellie's the one who got me in touch with him. Um, uh, and he's great. The coolest thing about that is, and I, I'm going to try to portray this in the movie this way too. Cause this is how it struck mm-hmm. me is like, if you're thinking of this as a cop movie, right. Or a detective story or whatever, what is the classic like cop buddy movie trope? It's always like 
an old seasoned veteran mm-hmm. with like this yeah. young younger guy and so right. that's what we have we've got like <laughs> we've got like tim henson who's been in this forever and then we got brandon who's like young and he's pumped to be investigating the story looking into the story mm-hmm. and and pat fits in there too because pat's is pat's kind of like been doing this almost as long as tim really 35 years is what he said and tim's been following the bell stuff for 40 i think he said so it's just a really cool dynamic between those three guys um but especially brandon and tim like there's yeah. They, they almost have like a father son thing going on and it's uh right and as i actually aaron's here in the office and i just finished cutting a rough cut of the opening scene i think the movie's actually going to open with them walking out to john bell jr's grave and kind of talking about one mm. one one really interesting story i don't want to give it away but there's they, it's a it's just a cool dynamic between those three guys so yeah. and those are going to be the three leads you know and probably leads in in the truest sense there's been in an stm movie in a long time if not ever because because i mean that you really yeah you follow them around yeah we're gonna be following them it it feels investigative like on the trail of but it's you know it's different in that it's not us it's Mm -hmm. these guys um like when i was talking about them back in the woods i was talking about john bell senior's grave and the slave graves and all that they were actually back there we were filming them finding those graves. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was really cool. Yeah, there was one they were, they were looking over it still had some writing on it. Yeah. There, there, one of them, you, you could almost make something out on the, on the stone. So, um, yeah. And then, so we got Bo was later that same day. Um, there was the, uh, the next day was Kara who works at the, uh, at the cave as a tour guide she had stories about like kind of modern day spooky activity and then, and we still couldn't get in the cave. Yeah. We still couldn't get in the cave. Even oh. though she works there. Um, <laughs> who else did we do that second day? Oh, Brenda Moss from Moss's restaurant. She was great. She's like local, you know, she's going to talk about the local impact and like what she likes about the town. She's our town person. Um, mm-hmm. Who else do we have that day? Oh, this hey, is hard. that girl. Oh yeah. Okay. So we had, <laughs> we lost Bob Bell's interview. Uh, he dropped out. Um, and so we're filming B-roll in the morning and Zach ran across this girl named Kay, um, who was visiting from Texas. And apparently her aunt and uncle used to own a house nearby that they claimed was built on the, the grounds as, as the same grounds as Bat's home. Yeah. As Kate Bat's Mm. home. And she recalled all this weird stuff happening there as a child and that men that owned the house didn't live long. They didn't live past two years. They didn't live. Yeah, that's it. They don't live past two years. So, and her uncle died. Her uncle dies. Yes. She had that story and she had some stories. I don't want to give all that away either, but she's got some cool. No, 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 you're good. (laughs) Um, she had stories about things happening in this house and stuff. Um, Wow. Yeah. She went on record with that. Oh yeah. Yeah. We interviewed her on the back porch of the cabin. Cool. Uh, Wow. um, Yeah. So that was super cool. Yeah. It was really neat impromptu kind of thing. Mm -hmm. There was one more. That that was, that was was the real, the feel of the whole trip was just random stuff happening. Yeah. It kind of was. Yeah. Random. Some randomness. I don't think it was, it was random, but it wasn't weird. It wasn't like, no, no, it was kind of like, it's just stuff like, 
you know, I guess like probably the most random kind of stuff we've had since Boggy, which I guess is fitting because like Aaron hopped on a boat one day with a stranger. I'm up in, <laughs> we're, we're at the Tennessee River shooting uh, sort of the confluence of the Tennessee and Red River. And, um, and all of a sudden Zach comes running up to the car. I'm up in the car trying to find our next location to film. Zach comes around up to the car and he's like, hey. Uh, Aaron's about to get on a boat with some strange guy. <laughs> and I was like, what? And sure enough, like uh, Aaron comes running up, gets the gimbal, gets the camera on it, goes running back down. And the next thing you know, Aaron's taking off down the river on some, on a boat with a stranger. He was a real nice guy. He was drinking though. <laughs> he was yeah. drinking and he had a gun. Yeah. Oh yeah. He opened up his glove compartment thing and, the, and there was like, oh. there's a gun in there. And he's like, yeah, it's just in case we get into a gunfight. <laughs> uh yeah there was one other interview that day and i can't remember who it was there was there were four interviews that second day and i can't yeah because we had brenda k kara and then there was one there was a man oh it was dewey oh dewey dewey yeah yeah, our boy dewey dewey edwards who was with us again the next day um and he's cool he's like an author ghost story yeah he's like an author Mm. and a and a ghost hunter and he's into bigfoot and stuff um and he probably had the best tennessee accent maybe him and kara kind of had that like real thick Mm -hmm. southern accent um so he was really cool and he's written a book on the on the bell which which he was kind enough to give me a copy of um so he was uh, that's day two of the interviews. It's hard cause this is actually day three, but like the first day, all we did was go to Port Royal and film B-roll and travel all day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Day four, we started off by interviewing Tyler from the Red River Baptist church, which was a really cool interview and led into him taking us. Well, let me just set this to up. The inner sanctum. Yeah. Let me set this up and then you can talk about it. Cause like basically we were setting up to do his interview, Tyler's interview. And as I'm lav micing him, I noticed he's got, a Freemason pin on his tie on his tie. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, that's kind of weird. Cause like he's a Baptist and I just like, yeah, I mean, just, I go, I go to a Baptist church and I've never known a pastor to be a Freemason. Yeah. Now I, I like I, be bold mm-hmm. about it. I said, I know three people, but after the fact I started thinking about it, I was like, I don't think those guys were Freemasons. I think they were like Shriners, which is Freemasons. Is yeah. it? Okay. So maybe they were Masons. Um, he said they had the parties and stuff. Yeah, that's right. Their social group is what he called it. Yeah. Um, so we like we interviewed him. His interview was great. He had his his own theory on on. Yeah, don't spoil it. Yeah, that's he had his one. own theory on what happened with the Bell Witch. That's kind of cool. I wasn't expecting that, and I think that was one of my favorites. Yeah, and um, and then I happened to ask him about like Freemasonry. I was asking him, "Have you ever heard this theory that that MV Ingram's book is is really just some sort of?" As you're looking at the cornerstone. Yeah from the 1700s yeah oh yeah 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 the cornerstone in the in the red river baptist church says 1791 on it it is so cool <laughs> it was oh, that church man. was founded when george washington was still president yeah um wow yeah so so he um i asked him these questions about freemasonry i guess i also mm-hmm. shouldn't get in too deep into that because i don't want to give that away either in case yeah we... so anyway he asks us he's like do you guys want to go to the lodge or the temple or whatever they call it and and we're like, yeah, can we film there? And he's like, no. And I'm like, well, okay, so. Well, he, are he we said, curious? I'll think about it. And he, then yeah. when we got there, he said no. He, so are we curious enough it. about this that we'll lose filming time to go hang out on a Masonic Lodge? Like, that was the question <laughs> we had to ask ourselves. And then we yeah. were like, obviously, yes. So, <laughs> so we leave and we follow the pastor 
to the Masonic Lodge. He takes us inside and then takes us inside, like inside the the temple, the temple room, mm-hmm. <laughs> which. I've never been in a Masonic temple or lodge or whatever you call it. Mark, are you a Freemason? I, I am not. Okay. <laughs> I am not. He opens the door and the first thing I see is this soft orange light spilling out. And I'm like, oh. I'm like okay. Keep in mind up to this point, Andy and I are kind of <laughs> like, there's nothing weird about Masons. Get out of here. Like you're, you're just buying into all the conspiracy stuff. And Zach and I are like, no, man, these... They're so secretive. What's what are they keeping secret? And so yeah. the door opens and this orange light spills out and I peek my head in there and in the middle of the room are these three poles in a triangle form, formation. More like a pyramid, but or a pyramid formation with a pedestal with a book in the middle. And wow. on the top of each pole is a light bulb that has the Mason symbol mm-hmm. in the filament. Like No way. Yeah, so Really? Yeah. They look like Edison bulbs. Mason Edison balls. Yeah. Bulbs. <laughs> we met Mason's Edison balls. Um, so, so we go inside and he turns the light on, you know, and it's a room with um, chairs around the outside of it. And then on either side of the room, the big room are is like on the one end is a big G suspended from the ceiling. And under that is like a big throne. And which is like the the head formation sits there. And they have mm-hmm. all their artifacts. And yeah, and then they have all their artifacts and, and stuff around the room. A lot of old old pieces from the town, which was really neat to see. Yeah, and he actually says that like one of the jewels they have in there, which are these mason symbols that are like made out of stone or metal that people, they wear around their necks during their meetings. He said one of them probably was owned by Andrew Jackson. Um, so I thought that or was war, interesting. Yeah, but worn by him. Yeah, worn by him. Um, so, uh, so we go into the room and then the creepiest thing happened, which it's only creepy because I got goosebumps when he said it. Cause I genuinely thought we were about to die. Like I thought he, we had been lured into this room and we we're about to be killed. Cause all of a sudden he goes, so you guys want to know all the secrets to, to masonry? And, oh man. And, to our, he's to our, all our codes and yeah. Yeah. Oh. And, um, and uh, I was thinking, no, let's run. And Aaron and Zach are just like, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so then he points to that book, which turned out to be a Bible. Um, and Aaron's saying it's not, it's got stuff I, added. I want to see if it's an actual King James Bible or not, but okay. because it's a, it's a Bible, it uh-huh. looks like a big family Bible. It does. Yeah. And it's got a Masonic gold stamp mm-hmm. on the front of it. Yeah. So it's a Mason Bible, but he's saying it's I want to line up verse for verse and see if if they do their own, get their own like little version or something they add. I don't know. I will say into it. Historically, there were some awesome things in this place. Um, There were, there Mm -hmm. were aprons that would have come from Port Royal from the late 1700s that they would have actually worn in their Masonic meetings Um, and painted. They were really neat. The jewels were really cool to see. Um, Yeah. The craftsmanship on the tiny little mm -hmm. pieces. So it was super interesting. Uh, but it was also, yeah, you didn't know what we were getting into either. So, sure. Um, so that was really cool. And then the next day, so that was, that would have been Friday. And then, no, um, that was Thursday. No, that was Friday when we went to the Mason Lodge because we did Tyler's interview. Right. And then, yeah. and then we did uh, the interview with, with, and then we went to the lodge and then we went out in the woods and did that stuff. You know, went to John Bell's grave and John Bell Sr.'s grave and 
did all that. And then, and then the tick incident took place and we ended up not filming anymore that day. Um, and then of me. Saturday morning, we had an interview with a historian named John Baker Jr. Who is um, sort of this, I mean, from what I can gather and from what Brandon was telling me, he's like the, the man when it comes to research into like slave life and how they lived and how they, how they, how they lived after, you know, after, mm-hmm. after freedom was granted and all that kind of stuff. And in terms of historical value, that was probably the coolest thing we did all week. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it's a strange, I don't know how to talk about this cause I'm afraid someone's going to cancel me at any minute. But like, I think in terms of having your eyes open to some stuff that, that did it for me in terms of like what he was showing us. And, um, there was one image in particular, he had a portrait of a, or not a portrait, a photo of a, a slave, uh, baptism in the river. And it would have been, oh, wow. you know, like a Baptist, uh, is a Baptist church. And it was, it was like all these, um, slaves, tons, tons of people on the, tons on the shore. Of, like 300 people, man. It's like a right. huge group. And, um, and I thought like, it was, it was just really eye opening. And I thought, you know, I grew up in a family who, who was into the civil war. So I've grown up mm-hmm. aware of slavery and aware of how slavery was, but there was something about hearing it from him and the papers he showed, the documents he showed and the photos he showed and all these things he's gathered over the years. That was really amazing. And I think the coolest part about it. And when I say amazing, I mean, amazing in that the, the historical value of what you're looking at is sure is yeah. astronomical. Like, um, right. You know, he, like he was the most detailed. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and, and to tie back into the bell family, um, I don't want to talk about this cause it's going to come out in the movie and I don't know that this is really comes been, out of left, left field. Yeah. As they say, I don't really know that this has been out, out there for two, for, ever a lot of this movie is going to debunk elements of the legend. I'm not saying we're mm-hmm. going to debunk the legend. That's not what we're doing. Right. It, some of the side stories that you've heard connected to the bell story, the bell, Witch story are just not true. And, and mm-hmm. there are ways you can find that out. And there's okay. John Baker helped sort of cement one of those mm-hmm. for yeah. us. Um, but just even beyond the bell, Witch story, just like the, the historical value of what he was presenting us was really cool. Oh and, yeah, uh, was was uh, you know, like it was it was just a really uh, like I don't think it was an emotion. I wouldn't call it like an emotional interview, but it stuck with me like long after the fact. I mean, there some of the photos mm-hmm. he showed me, I haven't really stopped thinking about. Um, okay, and just just my my idea of what slavery was like in the United States versus what it actually was like um, was it's very interesting to hear it from someone who spent so much time looking into it. Like I had no idea that so many slave owners had children with their slaves and things like this. Mm -hmm. Um, And that stuff was really kind of wild to, to see. Um, And just, just, like I said, it's eye opening. Like it's, it's very, it's yeah. Like to put it, was he with you when they discovered the, uh, the grave? No, no, he wasn't. Okay. He was only with us. Yeah, he was only with us on Saturday morning. But I wish he would have been. Oh, okay. Like I think he would have been. Mm-hmm. He would have probably been able to tell us a lot more about what we yeah. were looking at. What were you going to okay. say? Oh, I yeah, like the one part that stood out to me that was some married their slaves mm-hmm. because they loved them, mm-hmm. 
but they weren't allowed to mm-hmm. technically because it was illegal at that yeah. time. So but they did it anyways. Kept a that, secret. That, that, yeah, that, in my head, I, I just never knew that. Yeah. Yeah, there was, yeah, just like. That they started families. Yeah, they started families with them. I mean, yeah. it's, it's it, one, one statistic he, not statistic, but one fact he gave us that was interesting too, or tragic, is any anyone who's a slave at some point was separated from someone they love. So like, mm-hmm. y- y- you know, like at some point, if you have children, your son might end up in another plantation. You'll or never see him again. Yeah. Yeah. And you'll never see him again. And that's just like, that was a way of life in the United States for these people. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so some of the, I mean, I, and I, you hear those again, you hear these things mm-hmm. like that's, that's not sure. something I wasn't aware of, but, um, he showed us the, fir- the the way it all started is he showed us his picture, uh, a picture he has of his great, great grandpa or great, great, great grandpa who worked at Wessington plantation as a, as a cook and he was a slave and he showed us his picture, his portrait. And, um, yeah, it was, I don't, it was, it was crazy. It was a really great interview. Like it, yeah, to see him stretch out his genealogy. Oh yeah. That was six feet wide. He's got these people. family Whoa. trees that he's compiled, not just of his family. He did have his family mm-hmm. and then he had two other families and we were able to like get him stretched out and then take photos for him, which apparently he hadn't managed to do cause they're so big. Um, and I actually just sent him to him yesterday. So he was pumped well, about that. that. <laughs> um, but, uh, and he's, uh, I don't think I have the name of his book here, but he's a legitimate, author um his book about mm-hmm. Wessington plantation was published by simon and schuster um and he's won awards and and is you know very well known for his research and yeah. i mean I have, of all the movies we've made this is the one that is the most historically bent like this is this is his history i mean it's yeah. wall-to-wall history mm-hmm. um nice. and i don't think that's going to be dry and boring i think there's going to be so many things happening stylistically that people aren't expecting in this movie. And I think that having filmed mm-hmm. it is what I'm most excited about. It's like visually too, it's gorgeous. Like, uh, it's mm-hmm. just like the things that Zach was doing with a seven S and we were able to do with the FS seven and the lighting on the interviews. And it's just got a ton of like personality to it. I think. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do we got anything else we want to talk about? Cause it's 45 minutes. I think we're good. Mark, are we good? Yeah, that's good. I okay. mean, you, you kind of put me into that, um, you know, the the trip mode of um, like person after person and getting immersed in the history and yeah. the humanity of these people. It's it's really, it's, I can't wait to see the finished product here. Yeah, it's like, I mean, I, I, I've been excited to really get into editing this one, even before we filmed it, just cause I had ideas for how to do this. Um, yeah. and it's, it begs a different approach from our normal STM movies. And it's, and, and one of the reasons it needs a different approach is just cause we're not, you're not, you're not able to jump out into those little like moments where all of a sudden someone recounts their sighting of Bigfoot mm-hmm. or something. This is going to be a straightforward like retelling of a story. And and even though it's spread over five years or four years and it's got a lot of characters involved, it's still a very like intimate story. Probably the most intimate story we've told since Minerva. You know, where it's all happening to this one family. It's all centered around that one family. Um right. And so I think I think when it's all done it's gonna feel very, very different from a typical typical STM movie. Um, so I'm really excited about that. So 
All right. Um, thanks for joining us, Aaron. Yeah, this this was fun. Yeah, I like this. That's cool. Yeah, that's really. Cool. Thanks for having me. We need to do a show yeah. where we get Zach and Andy up here, and then we can recount all the all of our favorite uh-huh. moments from the yep. trip. So. Uh, if you like the show, you can leave a rating or review on iTunes. You can send us mail to monsteropolis mail at gmail.com. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and all that stuff. Aaron, you're on Instagram and such. You want to give people that info so they can tell you <laughs> oh, their, yeah. uh, haunting stories and stuff like that. Yeah, I like, I like getting haunted DMS. Yeah. What's my, what's my Instagram? I don't know, dude. Oh man. It's oh, got a it's lot like of underscores. A- yeah. It's a underscore a underscore Ron. That's it. Underscore Gascon. Mm-hmm. Not uh, too worried about Pete, you know. You don't I have don't, to go there. I'm not following you. Um, I have I have six Instagrams, so that is true. You'll never <laughs> find the others. Um, all right, uh, Mark will be back in studio maybe next week. We're going to do a show about the book because we haven't talked about the book yet, and the uh, Making Monsters book is in. It looks amazing. We're really pumped to talk about it, Mark. I have to tell you, I've been reading it. Um, Mm-hmm. I skimmed your history. And I, I mostly read sections of your history. I don't think you read it front to back. And okay. I decided, but mostly because I w- really wanted to sit down with the full book when it came out. Yeah. And so that's what I'm doing. And uh, it's oh. awesome. It's really fun. Like oh. just going cool. through and like reliving things I hadn't thought about in three years mm-hmm. and the rereading yeah. of it. So it's been, it's been really awesome. So good job on oh, writing that. Oh, fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. It is. It's so remarkable to do it that way because mm. you just get a sense of, you know, you lived all of that and it's just reflecting on it. Yeah. It, it, it's pretty, it's pretty remarkable. Pretty yeah. cool. So, all right. Um, we'll be back next week if the bell witch lets us. We'll see. You might hear. The wind should give a mournful cry. It's the bell which won. Monsteropolis is proudly presented on Wadsworth Community Radio 97.1 FM or streaming live at wadsworthcommunityradio.com. It is proudly underwritten by Thurber's Jewelers on the Square in downtown Wadsworth. The family of Bell has drawn their last breath.